Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Father, we pray this morning that you, you will come and flood our hearts. Um, move us, God, from theory to action. Fill us with uh, the spirit of boldness, conviction, and power. As we read in the uh, New Testament, in the book of Acts, of how, Father, when your spirit manifested in the lives of uh, the apostles, we saw great things. We saw miracles. We saw things that happened that there's no way it could have taken place without you. God, this is what we pray for this morning. We pray for this church. We pray for the ultimate power, the power of yours to fill us, God. And Father, I pray that you use me as a vessel, God, ready to be used this morning to speak your word. And Father, may we not leave this place the way we came in. In your holy name, God, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, worship team. And uh, I'm glad you guys are here with us today. It is such a joy and a privilege once more to have a chance to uh, share with you here at Oak Park. I always look forward uh, to the privilege to share uh, what it is that God has laid on my heart uh, to share with, uh, with you guys um, um, on Sunday mornings. And, and uh, uh, Pastor Lane couldn't be here with us today. He, uh, as um, Don shared, he's in Kelowna. Um, not because of the long weekend, but hey, that's part of it too, right? Uh, but he's uh, a part of a wedding over there, and, and so he asked me if I could fill in the place for him this morning to conclude the series, the series of the Holy Spirit that we have been um, um, talking about for the last couple weeks. So this morning, we will conclude the series, uh, and, and I'm quite excited. It it's definitely is a privilege. Uh, the reason is also, this morning is... Also, the Sunday of the Pentecost. It's Pentecost Sunday. And so welcome to Pentecost Sunday. Um, uh, Forty days after uh, Jesus' resurrection, um, we are here and concluding uh, this series on uh, the Holy Spirit. Just pretty neat. So I look forward to um, enjoy and munchy on and, and um, um, chew on the word of God this morning with all of us. Lane actually touched two key points. Who is the Holy Spirit? As part of his first uh, sermon on this series. The second part that he touched on was what does the Holy Spirit do? He touched on the who and the da, um, the what. Hey, I'm Haitian. Forget it, right? <laughs> but this morning, I'm here to actually go into a why, a how. The how the Holy Spirit does do what it does. The how. We are curious beings, as human we are. We always like to try to figure out how things work. But I think uh, the very first two key points, the who and the what, gives us enough information or revelation that the how really doesn't really matter. Because I think the who and the what already will help us with the spirit of discernment 
to know if or not what is acting is the Holy Spirit. But I don't think it's good to go into details. And as a young guy myself, I remember growing up, I loved the details of things of how things work. And I remember how many toys were destroyed the day after Christmas because I had to figure out how in the world is this electronic car just works, no string attached, and for some reason it runs. Guess what I did? Grab a screwdriver, pop this thing open, trying to figure out what it is. Day after Christmas, it's gone. I think this morning we will title this talk to better understand the how as a before and after picture. I know before and after picture is a theme that is used plenty of times, especially in sermons. But I think this theme is fitting to connect us to the how the Holy Spirit do what it actually does. Today, as I explain and mention, in many Christian churches, Pentecost Sunday is celebrated to recognize the gift of the Holy Spirit. Realizing that God's very life, his breath and energy actually live inside the believers. He's living inside of you, living inside of me. So guys, the celebration of, of Pentecost Sunday reminds us of the reality that we all have the unifying spirit that was poured out upon the very first century church, according to the book of Acts 2. Pentecost Sunday is definitely a reminder that we are co-heirs with Christ, suffered with him, that we also may be glorified with him. But remember that key point, suffered also with him. That we are all baptized into one spirit, into one body, according to 1 Corinthians 12. And that the Holy Spirit, which, was, which raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside of us that even death could not overcome. So the gift of the Holy Spirit that was prom promised and given to the believers on the first day of Pentecost is also ours today. And to me, that gives me the energy <laughs> to be the wild man as I am most of the time. <laughs> this is no joke. <laughs> this is the ultimate power there is lives, exists in me, flowing through me, moving me into action. Sometimes you think I'm crazy. I'm not, okay? Just the way it is. That's just excitement, right? But how in the world does it work? How? I recall about 10 years ago, when uh, myself and Mandy got married, first got married, and... and um, a few months later, we decided to take a trip out east to New Brunswick to visit with her family out there. And while we were out in New Brunswick, and uh, we, we decided just like, well, why don't we cross over to the island, to PEI, uh, to visit the island. I'd never been there before, and, uh, and it's a great thing to do with my new bride. Let's just explore, visit places together and all. And so we uh, um, um, jumped on a van 
off we went. But I remember Mandy said something. She said, oh, Rico, uh, um, let, let's Poland to this gas station. Uh, We're going to buy a roadmap. A roadmap? Are you kidding me? With my convincing skill, I was able to talk her out of buying a roadmap. I let her know that her uh, new husband knows direction quite well. He knew where he was going. Don't worry about all this crazy roadmap thing. That's a waste of money. Well, you know, people who first get married don't argue, right? I mean, you hold it in, you're just like, okay, <laughs> this is supposed to be good. So let's leave it alone. So off we went. I tried, I did. I read the signs, and I was on the good path. So far, so good. Until we hit some road construction, and then some detours, and then some backcountry driving. And I just realized, that, oops. Where are we? But I wouldn't say anything. I mean, guys, you got to be clever, right? I know where I'm going. We're going to get there. Don't worry. And now I could t- turn around and see many stuff flustering. It's just like, things are not right. Rico, do you know where you're going? Couldn't you tell? <laughs> I mean, my goal was to get us there at the shortest route possible. But as it went on, hours went by, the needle of the gas started getting closer to the E as possible. My new bride becomes very frustrated with me, and we experience our first little argument. <laughs> So it turned out to be not the shortest route. But as I told her, I, I got her there. <laughs> we ended up making it to the place. But I'll never forget, though, a few months later, we were back in Calgary, and we were visiting with some friends, Tom and Millie, and uh, we're at their place, and, and I remember Tom went to, to his office, and he walked out with, uh, with a nice little device. Uh, it's a, what do we call the GPS device. Now we all have it in our phones, right? And he said, uh, Rico, do, do you think you can use one of those? I know you guys as a missionary, you, you travel to churches a lot. Do you think you could use one of those? Yeah. I, I think one would be quite well, right? So I remember taking the GPS, and we were driving from Florida to visit some people in North Carolina, places we'd never been before. And I remember we set this GPS up, and we went. Sometime, I did the wrong turn. But I never remember a panicked voice shouting back, saying, you stupid driver, why do you keep getting lost for? But instead, there was a soft-spoken voice in there said like, recalculating. (laughs) (laughs) Take the right turn and then make a (laughs) U-turn. I mean, that was soothing. (laughs) There was no stress. I mean, you know, the goal of the GPS is one thing, making sure that to get you to the destination of which you want to go. Wherever it was preset, I'm going to get you there. I don't know. I don't care how many bad turns you took along the way. The goal is you will make it to your destination at the shortest possible route from here on out. I will progressively lead you to where you're supposed to go. So that 
as I looked at the GPS, and it hits me that the Holy Spirit, the how it works is pretty much the same way. In our Christian journey life, we get lost, we do crazy stuff, we did a lot. But he doesn't come around us with a baseball bat and whack on the side of the head. How ridiculous you are, you keep messing up your mark. But instead, the soft-spoken voice goes in and says, recalculating. <laughs> the goal is to lead you to become more and more like the Father. And this is where we are going as part of our journey. Here's a classic example in the lives of Jesus' disciples. So that's where we will see the before and after picture. If you have your Bible, when you open it to Acts chapter 2, um, we'll go from verses 37 and to 41. Actually, the entire chapter colors the picture of what happened, of how the Holy Spirit actually worked in the lives of the apostles. Here's a quick one. Uh, then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Now, that's authority right there. Listen carefully to what I say, Peter said. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, you put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. He didn't stay in the grave freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep him in the grave. That's Peter talking. Now that's confidence. And I like verse 37, if we jump there from 24. Verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter responded and said to them, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many others, other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wow. That's how the Holy Spirit works. But, you know, without the chapter 2 of the book of Acts, I mean, without the context, you and I would easily mistaken Peter for this giant guru guy who's just so solid and strong, who can stand in, in front of adversary and just speak boldly, right? No. That's why the before and after picture is so important to us to consider. 
When we boil back to the book of Matthew, chapter 27, we see actually a different image of the same guy named Peter. We see before Pentecost, before the experience of the risen Savior, before the Holy Spirit came to Peter, something else took place. Peter was weak. And Peter actually denied his best friend, his Jesus friend, three times. As Jesus predicted. Jesus actually said, listen, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you would have already denied me. But that's not what Peter said. Peter said, no, 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 Jesus. You, that's not true. I will die for you. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you, Peter said. He boasted about his allegiance to, his, uh, uh, to risking his own life. And shortly after Jesus was captured, there's a scene in the Passion of the Christ movie where Jesus is being tortured and beaten illegally in the night and Peter sitting in the courtyard. He truly meant it. He loved his friend. He wanted to be there for him. He even fought for him to begin with. You remember he cut somebody's ears because he wanted to save his friend. But when push comes to shove, just because I say this is what I want to do, doesn't have the power to carry me through. And immediately, a young lady walked to Peter, sitting in the court, and says, haven't I seen you with this guy? What was his answer? No, that's a mistake. I've never seen this guy before. I don't know who he is. It's not me. And Peter got up and ran somewhere else, and somebody else said, like, hey, I have seen you follow this man. No! Second time. No! A third time again. And finally, the famous sound, the rooster crow. But you know, the part that I really love about this is this. Peter truly meant well when he told Jesus, I will follow you no matter what. Peter truly meant that I won't let anything separate me from the friendship we have together. I will fight for you till the very end. He truly meant it. I like that. Because I see myself saying the same things too. I'm strong enough. I can do it. I have strong conviction. I have the moral value. I know what is right and what is wrong. Yes, I can, I can, I can, I will, I will. I won't, I won't, I won't. I do these things. Until we face the situation.